What is good, everybody, and welcome to Between Frets, a space where female musicians meet and discuss all things music. I am Sean, Shawnee Sean Marshall, and it's the most wonderful time of the year when we get broke buying gifts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll be straight broke on the holidays. But speaking of gifts, make sure you go to our merch shop at fretsisters.storeenvy.com to check out our merch of our brand, Fret Sisters, and our podcast merch. Now, we have a specific deadline. If you want to meet before Christmas and have everything delivered on by Christmas, you got to no later than the 15th of December so it can be delivered to your home before Christmas. Now is the time to get these orders in. You got to the 15th to get this ready by Christmas for gift not only gift for somebody but maybe a gift for yourself maybe so yeah probably after the 15th of December we will be going on break um, from podcast till the 2020 um, because the holiday season is definitely busy especially for us musicians we have gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs and also some of us are going to be spending some time with our families and and i hope your holiday season will be great too but we busy wrapping things up with 2019 we do have stuff prepared for 2020 so big announcement yes season three we are going to have season three it's going to be in 2020 so make sure you follow us on our social media at fret sisters to figure out when we're going to start the new season anywho when we return i will be joining with singer songwriter and bassist satire Stay tuned. And we are back. Joining in with us is singer, songwriter, and bassist from the ATL. She has performed internationally across stages such as Europe and across the U.S. And she just recently performed with pop sensation Adam Lambert. Please welcome Satara Troutman. Hello, Satara. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I am fine. On behalf of of Fresh Fresh Sisters, we like to thank you for joining in with us, especially with our DMs. Yes, no, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really grateful to be here. Well, I am so excited. So let's get started. Um, I'm talking about... um, your earliest memory of music, like that you came from a music family? Yes, I do. So my um, family is in a funk band, always a big thing, right? Like music was always a huge part of that. Um, Roger was really famous for Talkbox and he did California Love. And so my godmother, who's also my cousin, Anasa Troutman is a brilliant creative strategist and worked with a lot of artists in the Neil Soul space in Atlanta. So I grew up around like India Ari and Anthony David and these kind of like Neil Soul vibes um, really heavily growing up. Um, shout out to Kari Simmons, who's the first person who ever put a bass in my hand um, and is a brilliant bass player in the Atlanta area. So I grew up kind of like behind the scenes in like um, clubs I probably shouldn't have been in, like Apache um, and moods music shows in Atlanta. And then my family in Ohio, because I was born in Ohio, was always really big about this um, funk music thing. So Zap is known for like that really 80s, 70s, even into the 90s funk music era. So music has always been a part of my life. My dad's family is brilliant musically as well. My dad sings. My grandfather um, was a singer in a in a R&B band. So yes, music is in my blood. And my earliest memory of music, um, 
probably was my dad holding me and singing to me, but I just feel like it's always been there. You know what I mean? Like it was never something that I was without. My aunt used to watch me, shout out Auntie Cheryl, and when my mom would be working, would play the big payback by James Brown on repeat, and we would put on makeup and dance around the house, and it was like our little secret. And then I was maybe like two or three, way too young. Um, and you know, she would draw like a fake mole on me and pick my afro out real big and we would dance and be like, the big payback. And then when my mom came, I'd be like washed up and scrubbed up in the bed and she never knew. Um, so that was kind of our secret until my mom caught us one day. So my favorite song at like three was the big payback by James Brown. <laughs> oh God, that is great. Like big payback runs in my family too. Like that's one of my dad's favorite songs. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my earliest musical, you know, like the song where I'm like the big payback is my jam. Yeah. So your dad's actually like your big influence, especially singing. Well, my, yeah, um, my so dad just, sings. But also I was yeah. around so many brilliant vocalists growing up that it was just like always like, wow, you know? Yeah. Was the bass was the only instrument or was there was another instrument you played first before you even touched the bass? Uh, I was a band nerd. So I played clarinet. I played trombone. I played bassoon. I played upright bass. I played kind of everything that I could get my hands on. I played mediocre piano. But um, clarinet, I think, was my, besides singing because I sang first. Bass was the instrument I picked at maybe 11. Um, I was just like, that feels right. I really love the space between bass and voice, like all of that room in the middle. I felt like you could define so much harmony with what you do vocally on top, floating mm -hmm. on top of like these moving bass lines. It's really counterpoint. You know what I mean? The bass moves one melodic direction and the voice does something else. And it was just beautiful to me. And I loved being able to manipulate that space. So I picked bass, but I played a bunch of things first. But um, as a bass player, were you like soft self-taught or did you like um, went to school for music for bass? So I went to school for music, I did, but I was self-taught first. And I would say community taught. Like my first education was pick up a bass and go play. So like Kari Simmons, who's a great bass player, he has um, a bunch of really dope projects. He's from Atlanta. I watched his playing with NDRE and a host of other artists and just really admired him as a producer and a bass player. And so just kind of studied with him personally one-on-one. -on -one. He was nice enough to give me a little like hang out with some good snacks in the studio and practice. Um, and then I did that all throughout high school, like rehearsing with other bass players, just kind of sitting in on gigs if they would let me sit in and play. Um, I played in my high school's jazz band. I went to North Atlanta, which was an art school. And then I went mm -hmm. to Berkeley College of Music for my undergrad and I did my master's in music production. So I was a songwriting major in college and then mm -hmm. a music production major in my master's program. So self-taught, community taught, and then definitely went to school. Oh, that is, a, that is so amazing. So, um, do you ever can you tell us a, a little experience from the first time you ever gig? Mm, my first gig ever. Uh, the first time I ever did a show was in Ohio. I was singing. I wasn't playing bass, and it was something that my summer program had set up, where we went to a um, community like homeless shelter and we sang. And I remember it being a really emotional, very spiritual experience. I sang the solo and. Um, introduced myself and a man came up to the like the foot of where I was singing and he sat down and he just started weeping and I, I remember that that was the first time that I felt like oh I can be a channel for something um because we'll get into this as we talk more I'm sure but I'm a spiritualist and a medium and so it was the first time that I had experienced that kind of spiritual channeling space in a musical way and could see the healing power of that and I was maybe seven and it was a, a lot to carry. I, you know, like I was like, oh my goodness, like the first yeah. time you see music touch somebody in a way 
and to be the facilitator of that was an honor for me. So yeah, seventh in Cleveland, Ohio, um, singing at a homeless shelter was my first first gig I ever remember. Yeah, even places that is not huge, like you never know someone will definitely will like touch your will touch your heart really. Like you Absolutely. never know. Yeah, and so I just it was beautiful to see. And so I was like, oh yeah, this is for me. You know, like this work is my work. Healing work in music. That's my that's my lane. Yep, it definitely makes a difference. So the next question I'm going to talk about, um, you had a project that was released in 2017 called um, Self Care, your self care yes. EP. Um, can you like give us a little details behind that project and how did that came up to that? Yeah, so always aligning spiritual work and healing modalities with music. Self-care was kind of the theme of my life. It still kind of is, but at that point in time, I was in college and I had been really overworking myself and I was on the brink of some really crazy and amazing spiritual experiences. My spirituality had opened up in a way where um, my mediumship was like very uncontrolled. So I was walking around channeling and, and like prophesizing to people um, in college at Berkeley College of Music. Definitely that weirdo, right? I just felt that I was drained and I was tired and I was writing these songs that were coming out of um, experiences. So there are three songs in that EP. There's Kiss Me in the Morning, um, which at the time I was in my first kind of like serious relationship. Um, and Kiss Me in the Morning talks about that moment before you and your lover leave the bed. And it's, you know, um, the B section is bad news, we'll meet us at the door. But before your feet hit the floor, kiss me in the morning, you know? And it's mm -hmm. just about the, the purity of that moment. Um, there's Halfway, which is about um, relationships where people are emotionally unavailable to you. Um, and it was kind of a healing way for me to deal with, at the time, the tumultuous relationship I was having with my parents. Um, so Halfway talks about that. And then there is Civil Right, which talks about social justice in my experiences um, as a black woman and an artist in the world. And so self-care, a three song acoustic EP. I would call it acoustic, but I played electric bass, but it's just bass and voice. Um, yeah. Very, very stripped down. And I just, the vibration on that record was healing for me. And so I've been happy to hear usually the feedback I get is that it's healing for other people. And I'm grateful for that. And it felt very channeled. It felt very divine. Just like, this is what I need to say. So those songs are naked and raw for a reason. And the cover of the thing is red like Georgia Clay. And it just feels like it's of the earth. And it was nice to give an offering like that. Yeah, I need to take a listen to that because I need a little bit of self-care in my yes, life right now. Yes, please listen to it and I would love to hear what you think. I would definitely do that. So you got any upcoming projects in the work? Yes, I'm actually really, really excited. So I've been working largely when I moved to Los Angeles. My spiritual work was like precedent, which is so funny for people who hear me in a musical space because they're like, you were playing with Adam. We did Good Morning America and we did The Ellen Show and we did YouTube. And so everybody was like, you're a bass player. And I am, I, <laughs> I play bass and I love playing bass. But I was doing a lot of work, divinations, reading for people, doing traditional root work and conjure. And really it was important important to me that the work was integrated in a way that felt authentic and organic. So mm. before I release all of this new music that I've been working on, which is coming soon, ideally in the summer, I won't put a release date on that because you know how the music industry can be. I'm yeah. doing a series of exclusive shows that I'm calling Ritual. Um, and they are new music is going to be happening, but also conversations about spirituality, um, some actual teaching about spiritual practice in an African diasporic context. And the first one is going to be January 11th. So 1-11, of course, we love our angel numbers. 1-11 and 12 in Santa Ana, California. I'm really excited. I'm hosting it out of a wonderful space um, in Santa Ana. 
host, hosted by Lacey, who's also the Hype Priestess on Instagram, and I'm just really excited about it. So those shows will be exclusive. They're 15 seats. The tickets will sell out fast, and, the, and they'll probably go on sale December 11th. I'll give people a month to kind of trickle in. But it'll be exclusive music. I'm taking everybody's phones at the door, so um, written yeah, testimonials only. No, yeah, phones at the door, okay. written testimonials only. I am giving two press seats, though, so if anybody's in Santa Ana and they want to see this up and they want to write about it or they want to... I'm taking one from a spiritual space and one from a music space. Um, so mm -hmm. we'll call that 13 seats that are open to the public that are non-music professionals. And the first one will be in Santa Ana. And then we'll see. I want to do one in L.A. proper. And then, of course, home in Atlanta, one in Ohio. But I want to do these exclusive shows. It felt it felt good because it's spiritual work and it's healing work. The press will come. But for now, I want to create the experience. So, yes, solo project. But the shows are the project first. And then the music will be out. We'll trickle out some singles in 2020 for sure as well. Uh, that is deep. But if you have some music, just let us know. We will definitely help promote and spread yes. the word and the message because everybody needs some spiritual healing. Yes, absolutely. No, there definitely are singles coming in 2020. So I'm excited about that. Like regardless of whether you can ex you can attend this exclusive experience and get to hear things that are not released out into the world right away, they will eventually. Um, I'm yes. definitely releasing some singles. So when those come, I'll hit you guys up. I would love for you guys to hear them. Tell me your thoughts for sure. Yeah, most definitely. So, like, what is your consider that style of music when you um when you create and have that spiritual relationship? I would say. Hmm. So the first self care record, I think, definitely falls into that neo soul space, right? It definitely falls into like that singer songwriter neo soul energy. Um. But as I was working on my second project, I really felt like the authenticity and the fullness of who I was, um, was going to be expressed through a little bit more hip hop, R and B, on center pop things as well. So I actually was just saying that it was the 20th anniversary of like a uh, music soul child's opening into the world. Sade's Lovers Rock, like all of these classic neo soul albums are celebrating 20 years. And I was what I'm 25. So in 2000, I was five. So these are the records that I'm just like dipped in, steeped in. But at the same time that I'm dipped and steeped in that, I'm dipped and steeped in like Destiny's Child and Nuck If You Buck, um, Crime Mob. You see what I'm saying? Like I'm dipped in those things as well and felt like the yeah. next record needed to express the fullness of that, especially as a spiritual worker and as an artist. Because we have these mm -hmm. conversations where I felt like when we think of a spiritual black girl we think of somebody that never cusses and is always in a head wrap and got a big piece of rose quartz on her chest and it's just like here chakras aligned and like when you see me I'm probably gonna be in like some new Hirachis um so you know what I mean and like <laughs> yeah. beat this face down Fenty down to the ground and that doesn't mean that I'm not a spiritual person and I be cussing so that's done on that. So I'm excited for this to fall kind of at that intersection of hip hop, pop music, R&B and soul. And it's, it feels like real shit. Like, I feel like my genre is real shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's my genre, like unfiltered, definitely spiritual, but like realness. Yeah. We don't want to filter anything out. Anything yeah. that you feel be coming right out. Don't want anything just bottled up and just be buried and be buried to be under. We definitely don't want that. Yeah. And I just like what I wrote a song recently called, um, uh, what's the name of that song? Uh, why can't I think of the name of the song? But anyway, I'll remember the name, but it's, I believe in fairy tales, happy endings, all that good shit, except for my prince, blow trees and give me oxygen, get on his knees at his altar, love that Congo shit. Like it's very like, okay. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna give you sweet, but we're gonna give you the truth, right? It's when I fall in love like my ass, it will be natural. My baby be real patient. He know I got an attitude. My mood just like my titties. I'm soft, but more than a handful, right? So it's like the fullness of everything that I am is a little wordplay. Um, lots yeah. of like vibes, but it's gonna be the truth. I'm not like, and there are flowers in the garden and my soul is bleeding. Like we're not doing that.
Yeah, we don't got time for rainbows and unicorns. Right. Like, I want to, like, this is, it's spiritual sometimes. Some, you know, like, it's the vibe. Yeah. So, that's that. Um, oh, and it's called Future Boo is the name of that song. <laughs> So wow. that one I definitely want to release soon. It's called Future Boo, and it was kind of me manifesting like my dream lover. Like verse two is like, um, I believe my baby reads bell hooks, bell hooks, and read and sings in the shower. All mornings he makes me coffee and sings Stevie for hours. I'll be a summer mm-hmm. soft, but we'll all stick around, right? So it's it's like a manifestation song. So I always tell my people, if you're trying to get your little future boo, that's the one that you're going to play when this record comes out. Ooh, I can't mm-hmm. wait for that. Yeah, a little manifestation okay. work, a little juju on that thing. Yeah. So let's go, next question is going to be something fun. Like, what did you like to do when you're not doing music, performing, touring? Um, what did you enjoy the most? When I'm not doing music. Yes. Well, so I work as a spiritual worker and a root worker. I know you're like, ooh, Sitar with all those Capricorn placements. You asked me what I enjoy doing, not my work, but I really genuinely love divining for people and reading. I love doing actual working. So whether that's like a love drawing or a money drawing, I love to dance. I love a good African dance class. I love to move my body. Um, I love Pilates. So like fitness, um, I love to eat. <laughs> I'm a big foodie. So yes. I love um, great restaurants. I love to cook for my friends. Most of my friends, when we were in our master's program in Spain, would come into my house and we would make these big dinners. I make a bomb sangria with a little brandy. I love to host and entertain. I already talked about dancing and eating. So yeah, those are my things. I love to read. I'm a voracious reader. So anybody who knows me knows that mm-hmm. I usually have a book or two or three in my bag that I'm reading at one time. When you said Pilates, I just started doing Pilates. Like. It's hard. hard. Look, people sleep on Pilates. I was actually on a gig. I was working with this nonprofit and we were in Jerusalem and the woman who ran the nonprofit was a Pilates fan. So she, it was the first time that I had done Pilates. And I think I was maybe just like under the impression that Pilates was for like rich white soccer moms who had all this money because it can be expensive. And Mm -hmm. I will, I was introduced to a rich white woman to Pilates. So that's what it was, but it was just so nice. And when I moved to LA, um, it was a very spiritual awakening type of deal. I didn't move here on purpose. I got sick and had all this stuff happen to me. Had to like rebuild my life kind of from scratch and I had abdominal surgery. Um, so I had to rebuild my core strength. Mm. So when I moved here, I was pretty much immobile. I was playing gigs like uh, propped up on the thing. I was working on the psychic hotline as a psychic reading for people. I got fired from that gig because I scared people because I was too accurate. And I was going to jam sessions at night and like could barely walk, but would just prop myself up on the gig and play. Um, and so Pilates was really nice in rebuilding my core strength in a way that was low impact, but high intensity, which I because I couldn't really jump around so it's hard yeah especially if you're working on core stuff Pilates will kick that ass oh yeah it kicked mine mm-hmm. you be leaving like but it makes you feel cute and graceful I only like workouts where I feel cute you know <laughs> yeah so you feel so pretty doing Pilates you feel like and look I'm stretching and I'm long like I'm sweating but just in a glorious way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my arms was killing me, especially I was doing these big circles on my arms. And after? oh, <laughs> it, right now my back. Yeah, yes, I didn't even know I had muscles back there. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, why my back feels this exactly. way? Exactly. <laughs> so Pilates is one of my favorite things to do. Um, definitely one of my favorite workouts. So that's what I like to do when I'm not playing or reading for people or you know doing ritual work or playing live, which is now about to be ritual work. <laughs> That's, you know, what I do. (laughs) Uh, So the next question is, um, we are gearheads. So what is your go-to 
rig when you are gigging or touring? So I'm an Aguilar girl. Shout out to Aguilar. I love them. Um, so I love like the Aguilar either two two tens. Those are my favorite to have two two tens that kind of like sit next to each other or that I can spread out. And then I love a Mark base head, but Aguilar makes a really nice head too. Um, but the Aguilar cabs are my favorite. I play a Fender Jazz four strings, the new American made bass. It's sunburst and I just love it. Um, I do love a good pair of DR neon strings. Um, and what else? Oh, and John Sir pickups are usually in my bass. Sir makes great pickups, so I love those. Um, Microphone-wise, I generally like um, all types of things, but in the studio, I love Neumanns. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Those are my favorite. Um, but yeah, I'm an yeah. Aguilar baby, DR girl, Fender baby for sure. Well, do you have any advice for um, any artists that's coming up and how to navigate in this music business, especially us as uh, yeah. women? Oof. The first thing I would say is be unapologetic about who you are and the art that you bring into the world and the way that you create it. Um, with these things that I'm about to do in terms of my spiritual work and my music, I really am doing something that to a lot of people feels uh, maybe strange or weird. They're like, what? You're mixing together like African diaspora spirituality and a live show and they're not quite sure what to expect and it took me a little while to feel comfortable in the fullness of what that was going to look like so allow yourself to grow allow yourself to breathe honor who you are be bold um, take your money up front 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 it doesn't have to be all of it but take some of it right um, it's about asserting mm -hmm. value in my opinion right second of all for me it feels better when I can walk into a space and, and they value me enough to give me half of what I asked for up front um, or a little bit talk about money um, don't be afraid to talk mm -hmm. about money you can hear all my Capricorn placements coming forward right but we can be yeah. secretive with each other and I really would love to see black women especially black women who tour be willing to have more open conversation about what we're being paid amongst each other if we think that it's enough if we think that it's sustainable I would love to see us call and recommend each other but we need to have these conversations because I'm gonna let you know right now these managers think that, think that we don't know what we're talking about and they don't always pay us what we're worth mm -hmm. and so you may be lowballing yourself and it only only takes open conversation with other people who tour, other people who play, other people who are doing art to really facilitate change. Um, so be bold, talk about money, um, manage your money um, and make dope art. Yeah. And, you know, be yourself. If you're super femme and you're black girl, if you're like, whatever it is, be you. Don't feel like you have to change that to appeal to other people. Your audience will find you. So in my case, you're saying this is to know no, your yes. worth. That's the that's the summary of it. Please know your worth. Um, I'm going to spit some real truth and say that the American music industry and most of the popular music industry is based on black music. That's the tea and the coffee, honey. There's no way around that. So know your worth, especially as black women in this industry. We come from such a legacy of Rosetta Tharps and Billie Holiday's. And like as we are going back and bringing what is ours to the forefront, we deserve to be paid for that. We deserve to have have a seat at the table and if there's not a seat at the table you build the table and find other people who are willing to build it with you and they'll come running because they can't keep it running without us we are the trend we are fashion we are new mm. music we are what's coming out of the hood what's coming out of your friend's trunk you see what i'm saying that's new music and they gonna come find you so do your thing and yeah. know your value when they come knocking on your door because they will if you're doing your work the way you need to do it you're doing it with integrity and it's good which it is they will come knocking on your door and the thing that i have found is you need to be willing to use that leverage you got to be like oh yeah you, you gonna try to pay me what oh no run me this up front it costs this much and don't be scared right mm. just be like you know use your voice yeah. know your worth for sure play hardball hash 
hashtag preach. Play hardball. I think that half of the spaces that I've gotten into, my friends laugh all the time because I decided in what, like kindergarten, I noticed that the teachers would police all the little black girls. So if me and my friends were in the back kikiing and laughing, it would be trouble. Y'all too loud. Y'all need to this, this, and this. But if it was a few little white boys in the corner, they were considered smart or ambitious or authoritative. So in kindergarten, I decided that I was going to have the audacity of a white man because I knew I was smart and I knew I was powerful and I knew that I could do it. And one of my favorite writers ever in the world is Toni Morrison. And they asked her, how did you survive working in an all white like publishing house in your early 20s, mid 20s? And she said, I knew that I was more interesting than them and I wasn't afraid to show it. And that has always been like my bread and butter. Like if you fly and you know you fly, go own it like you fly. Cause if you don't own it and get paid for it, somebody else will, they'll exploit you and they'll get your check and you will have worked your whole behind off mm-hmm. of what? Trying to wait for somebody else to validate you. No, validate yourself and then go get your money. Yes. Can you tell uh, the people where they can follow you, follow you on uh, social media or yes. website? Well, my website is easy. It's www.satara.com. That's my first name. My Instagram is at I am Satara. Um, I am trying to get back on my Twitter game. It's at I am Satara on Twitter. Um, but I'm really an Instagram girl and my website's the best way to find me, to book a session, to um, book a reading, any of those things that you need from me. My website's a great place to do it. And my tickets for um, my private show ritual will be on sale on the 11th on the website exclusively. So if you're looking to come to that and you're in Santa Ana, um, there's that. Also, I'll probably live stream a few parts we'll see well that is great so there you have it ladies and gents i would like to thank satawa troutman for joining in with us and sending the positivity vibes into this interview because i i'm i'm feeling healed yes, already i'm so happy i will say that, that is how you're feeling and i feel really healed and yeah. excited to be here Oh, thank you. So everybody, please make sure you follow her on social media, especially Instagram, and check out her website. And if you're in the California area and you would like to purchase tickets to her very first show in December, uh, in January, I would say, make sure you go to her website and purchase a ticket and support her. She is very talented. And once you go in there, probably see her and hear her sing, you will probably be healed by her voice as well because she has a beautiful voice, I will say. So to till then, I am Sean, Shawnee Sean Marshall, and thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye. Hey, Riff Girl, what you got? Hey, guys, Shawnee Sean here. On this holiday edition of Riff Girl, I would like to present my little bit of one of my favorite, favorite holiday songs. It's by Stevie Wonder, Someday at Christmas. The song is in key of A, and I hope you enjoy. If you want to learn more about this lick, 
hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Fret Sisters or email us at fretsistersmusic at gmail.com. Peace and love.